I don't think great categories come from like you and the marketing person and you know your VC in the smoky back room somewhere saying, should we be automated blah 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 management or should we be like well in I mean Canada where, too, so you know what's going on. Yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's where a lot of people there's a lot of people who try to create categories by building like alphabet soup categories, right? And um, you're more likely to be wrong about what the category is. So I think where the category actually comes from, it comes from the brains of your best customers and users. Hi, and welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm Irina Jambazova, stepping in for Alex Tuma. One of the last sessions at SaaS Talk 18, which took place last year in Dublin, was a bonus chat that brought a double dose of Canadian accents. April Dunford, the world's foremost expert on positioning, sat for a conversation with Mark Organ, CEO and founder of Influite. Even though they spoke at 420, on the day that weed was legalized in Toronto, the topic they covered on the day was slightly different. Category creation. On this week's episode, we're bringing you their entire chat. Category creation had been coming up again and again, during the two days of the conference. It's something that Mark, who has started a total of seven companies, knows quite a lot about. Two of his companies have been category creators. The first one was Eloqua, which he founded 20 years ago. And the second is his current company, Influative, which he started eight years ago. In their conversation, April and Mark talk about the origin story of each company, to what extent at the time Mark actually realized that he was creating a category and how he sold the idea to disbelieving funders and customers. They both agree just how difficult category creation is and why you need to be built for the ordeal it would take. Mark and April also touch on the subject of the future of marketing and where the industry is going as a whole. Both Mark and April will be returning to Dublin for SaaS Talk 19. There, they will be joined by SaaS thought leaders such as Claire Hughes-Johnson, CEO of Stripe, Leo Srivanasan, CMO of SurveyMonkey, Catherine Petralia, CEO of Cabbage, and Girish Mathrubutham, CEO of Freshworks. You can grab a ticket now at the best possible price. For now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. We're a bit of a last-minute fill-in on this. We're like the bonus round. Um, Mark and I have known each other for a long time. We're both from Toronto. So you get to bask in the glory of a double dose of Canadian accent for the next uh, yeah. 20 minutes. You might, you might no- notice a dancing Drake here on front of my shirt. He's from Toronto. Yeah. We were joking that what we should be talking about is today is the first day of legal marijuana in Canada today. So come visit. And we're having a talk at 4.20. Coincidence? I don't think so. Um, but anyway, so what What I thought we would talk about today, because Mark and I have known each other for a long time, I thought um, in my sessions when I was talking about positioning, we uh, this concept of category creation kept coming up. And I know there's been a few sessions today that have touched on it. And 
when in one of my earlier sections, somebody asked me about, you know, shouldn't you always be creating a category? And I said, that's actually the hardest way to, to do a startup. The category creation thing is extraordinarily hard. Mark is one of the few people that has actually pulled this off. And so I thought it would be neat for us to start with, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the birth of Eloqua. So Mark, if you don't know him from other talks he's done here, uh, was the original founder of Eloqua. He's now the founder and CEO of Influitive, uh, both of which are category creation kind of startups. So I thought we could start with the Eloqua story. Like, how did you first get the idea to do it? I mean, that category didn't exist at all. So what? What made you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, marketing automation, that's a thing that should exist? Yeah, and it definitely went through a lot of twists and turns. Um, I've built seven companies. Every The idea for every new company comes from pain I personally experienced in the old company. Um, and so I'm kind of hardwired to, uh, to want to, uh, to, to solve pain and try to discover discover things around, around the, uh, about the world. I'm a former research scientist before, before I got into business. Um, but I was working as a management consultant and um, doing work in sales effectiveness. And one of the things that, um, that I saw when uh, interviewing a bunch of salespeople to understand better about how to make them more productive is that the, um, the most successful sales reps were the ones that had the best leads. Now that was actually really weird at the time, like it was not, uh, that was a surprising uh, finding. The, uh, the partner on the case and the client expected there was something about the, where the sales reps came from, where they got educated, or the training that they had. But we found out, no, it actually uh, had to do with the leads that they were given. And the offices of the company that were studying that, were, that hired specialized lead generators were generating, which in contravention, by the way, to the policies of the company, they were breaking all the rules, huh. but they were actually outselling the offices that weren't doing that because uh, sales reps t- typically are not great at prospecting as well as, as closing. So the reason I want to talk about sales reps and, and um, you know, why we're talking about sales reps when uh, Eloqua was a marketing automation software company is because that's actually where the original idea for the company came from, was understanding salespeople and their effectiveness. And again, it was le- quality leads that were, that were driving that. And where the good quality leads were at the time, 1998, were actually on the internet, um, huh. this new, newfangled thing. So the, the original mission of the company was to make sales reps more productive by getting them the highest quality leads that typically come from the internet um, and leads that were ready to buy, right? So that's where the idea of this sort of lead nurturing um, came in. So it was totally kind of random how, how the idea Did you up. think you were creating a category at the beginning or was it just like, you were just like, I'm going to set out to solve this problem? Yeah, it was really set out to solve this problem. Um, and, uh, you know, there were a lot of uh, pivots along the way. We realized, well, there's really no budget in, in sales. The budget is, um, is in marketing. So, um, so we invested there. The first product was actually a chat product. Uh, so you just saw Intercom that was here. We created Intercom like in 1999, right? It was that, that same product. Um, and it, we found out that sales reps didn't actually want to chat with randos on the internet. Um, and um, unlike today, like, yeah, everything's all every, everything's all, all changed. Um, 
So no, it didn't really set out to um, to create a category. I think it was the my. Did process. you think you were in another category? Like at the beginning, did people say, "Hey, aren't you just like something else?" Like, did people try to put you in another box at the beginning? Uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, nobody would fund us because we seemed very unfocused, right? So. Oh, this is see. This is the hardest thing about category creation. Like, yeah. we'll get into this later, but like the VCs don't know what to do with. They you, don't know right? what to do. They're like, I don't get it. You guys are. You got a workflow thing, and you've got a chat thing and an email thing right. and web analytics, like you're all over the place, Mark. You have no idea what you're doing. Right. But we knew exactly what we were doing because of my background as a research scientist and as a management consultant, I was spending time with customers and users trying to understand how they're trying to solve their problems. And that's where the solution came from. It came from having a deep understanding of a customer problem, of user problems. And, and so the problem that they were trying to solve was that they wanted to nurture leads until they were ready for a salesperson to talk to them. And then they wanted to alert the right salesperson to go and do a conference. That's the problem they needed to solve, is that sales reps are wasting all their time with people who weren't ready to buy. Um, and so for me, that was the category. Now, that didn't correspond at all to anything that existed, like the analysts or the VCs or whatnot. And in fact, it wasn't until we were profitable for three and a half years before anybody would have (laughs) fund us. Um, And because we seemed like we were all over the place and focused. Now, what about your customers, though? How did your customers figure out what you were? Because Gardner's not talking about this. Nobody knows this is a category. But you're still going in to sell this stuff. So how did you explain it to customers? Like, did customers get it because they got the pain? Is because that- we got it because we used their language, right? right? So what, what, we, what we did, again, is back to my sort of background as, as management consultant. I spent a lot of time talking to customers. And you'd see, like, the customers that would buy right away, you'd go and they would have these, like, funnels on their whiteboards. Now, these days, everyone's got funnels everywhere. But this is, like, 2002. Yeah, most, nobody had one Most marketers like, were arts nobody, and crafts people. They were. They, we were just making things pretty back then. Yeah, so all of a sudden, they were like, these guys had funnels and they had process maps, you know, like they had, they had uh, flow charts on their wall and numbers. And in fact, they didn't even call themselves marketers because marketers were like those arts and crafts people. We were <laughs> demand generators. That's what we do. We generate demand for a living. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So we just started to use that. This is a demand generation solution. Is that what you want to do? You want to generate demand. And then we, um, we, we, we discovered there's this tiny, or at the time, a tiny little, um, uh, what do you call them? Um, analyst firm called Serious Decisions. Now they're huge, right? Back then, there were four people and a dog. Um, I didn't even know they existed back then. This is interesting. Yeah, they had four people and a dog. And so, and they were in some rented storefront over over a drugstore in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut. I don't um, know if you know Serious Decisions, but they're like the equivalent of Gartner Group, but they just focus on marketing sales and Sales marketing, yeah. yeah. Um, and what we found is all of our early adopter customers were like, love this stuff. Like in every single word that was um, that these people wrote, you know, they were eating it up. So I, I literally drove, I had to flew, flew to Hartford, I had to drive to Danbury, Connecticut to like see who these people were. <laughs> and we were actually one of the first vendors to ever sign a contract with them, which at the time was all the money in the world, $17,000. They had that same, 63000 the same thing. Um, and we were the first vendor to ever work with them. And that sort of began a very symbiotic relationship uh, because Sirius was speaking the language of the right customer. We were speaking the right language of the customer. So the customers all said, we know exactly what you are because we were communicating to them in uh, words that they understood. VC still had no idea. Again, it wasn't until 
finally they figured, okay, if you guys can be profitable for three and a half years and grow 65% a year, like there's something good here. Right. Uh, and so we finally got a little tiny bit of funding uh, there. That's interesting, the story about Sirius, because like the only time I've ever been involved in a category creation process was when I was at IBM, and we leaned hard on Gartner for that, like right. hard. And it, even for us as a giant, giant, you know, multi-billion thing. So did you, like, as that went, went along, like, marketing automation, the term for that, did that come later? Like, you started out as demand gen, and then, so you shifted again later in terms of the terminology. We did. So we did shift later, and that's because the category needed to grow. Um, and so we were started to do more work than just around demand gen. Uh, we also wanted to be more inclusive of other marketers that didn't see themselves as demand generators. They saw themselves as event marketers or they saw themselves as um, communications or PR or whatnot. And it turns out that having automated programs for driving communication was useful to lots of people not just the folks that were trying to generate leads. Yeah. So we decided to enlarge the category. We're actually doing that again out in Fluidit, where we started as advocate marketing, uh, focusing on the needs of customer marketers who wanted to generate want to generate a lot more activity from their customers, like referrals, reviews, and that sort of thing. We're enlarging it. We're creating something new called customer powered. And the idea is for you know any for if you as a company believe that your customers should be working in your business side by side with employees not just for marketing, but sales, customer success, and product, then we're the company for you. In fact, I think also Intercom's done a good job of enlarging their category. So you're not necessarily stuck with a little category over time. I do think it's good, though, in the beginning to have something pretty narrow. Yeah. I think narrow's really good, as narrow as possible, which is not what the VCs tell you, but um, the great thing is if you're narrow and you identify yourself a niche that um, where you've got people that are gonna become more powerful and numerous in the future, that's actually where I think great categories come from. I don't think great categories come from like you and the marketing person and you know your VC in the smoky back room somewhere saying, should we be automated blah 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 management or should we be like well in I mean Canada that's where, too, so you know what's going on. Yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's where a lot of people there's a lot of people who try to create categories by building like alphabet soup categories, right? And um, you're more likely to be wrong about what the category is. So I think where the category actually comes from, it comes from the brains of your best customers and users, who hopefully, if you've yeah. done a good job, you've identified this little niche of today people who are like freakazoids that one day will become powerful and numerous. Right? So we've, uh, we're building a category around cu uh, customer marketers. I don't know if you guys have customer marketers in your company. If you don't today, you will. Within five years, you will have a customer marketer. You have to. It's the only way you're gonna be able to build a powerful business is to market through your happy customers. Right? So I'm making a bet on those people I understand customer marketers better than I think anybody because I've studied these people and I think that's actually where the category comes from. And I think most entrepreneurs don't, are not willing to do the hard work of studying their users and customers in a lot of depth. And understanding, for example, that they uh, read serious decisions. Actually, we found out uh, in our space something just as uh, influential as serious decisions was back then when I was at Eloqua, and that's Reddit. And this came through understanding our users and customers. And I said, so where are you finding your most interesting information these days that are changing your opinion of stuff, that are influencing you? They said, I'm finding on Reddit. So you gotta be kidding. Reddit, like, that's for dirty jokes. And I don't know what else. Um, you, you guys talk about business on Reddit? Like, that is where I'm finding the most interesting people who are changing my world. So we do a lot of marketing work on Reddit. Uh, so interesting. Hey, so speaking of Influitive, like, 
How was it different? So, you know, you created this category with Eloqua, and that was the first time around, and so now you're doing it again. Mm. So how is it different the second time around? Like, like I'm expecting you'll say raising money was easier the second time around, but I don't yeah. know. What, like, what, what, what's different that this one, when you compare the two, how is it different? Do you get a do-over? Do you feel like you're yeah. getting a do-over I, I, and you're doing it better? I feel a little more confident in myself. I mean, I've had a, I've had a, a lot of time to think about the process of category creation. Yeah. Uh, and I've spent a few years in the wilderness between my time at Eloqua and Influitive. And, and actually, I think category creation is kind of like my life's work. Like, if there's one thing maybe I'll be remembered for. I think um, that's true, too. I would say that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Because I think it's a, it's a really mysterious thing. And it's amazing. Like, think about how much wealth and jobs and, and development of people that have been created in a marketing automation space. Like between Eloqua, Marketo, Pardot. Like it's mind blowing, It's right? mind blowing. So in terms of making a dent like in, in the thousands universe. thousands and thousands and thousands of companies like yeah, around like, that space. Like 10, right? 10 billion of value, right? It's insane. Um, so in terms of making a dent in the universe, which is I think why a lot of us are here, right? Like we're not just here to make a buck. Like we wanna, we wanna do something on this earth while we're here. Um, Creating category is not the easiest way to do that. No, I don't recommend not. it to everybody. Uh, in my case, I'm kind of hardwired to do that. I just don't like to do what other people, you know, I don't want to copy other people, but it's a, it's a great way to do that. So I have a lot of time to think about that process of it. So I feel a little bit more sure of myself. I feel more confident that my time spent deeply studying customers and users is not a fool's errand. And sometimes I felt like that a little bit when I was at Eloqua. I'm like, why, why am I here? Why am I not making cold calls or why am I not writing proposals or, or something else. But now I know, like when I, um, my time spent with customers and users is the most valuable time that, that I have. And the more time that I spend doing that, the more that I understand building up this picture of the universe and how I think customers and users think. Understanding the mental model of my customers and users, that's the most valuable thing that I can do. Because that's how you're able to make predictions about the future. How you're able to make predictions about what product features are gonna stick, about what messages are gonna stick. Um, about what sales motions are going to work, right? It's only through understanding that. And, and your employees are not going to be willing to work as hard as you in terms of understanding the mental model of the user. So that is that feels great. Um, and you're right. It was easier raising money this time around. But you know what? That's a double-edged sword because sometimes, you know, you raise too much money, it, it's, yeah. you got to live up to very high expectations, which I had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> We, so and how so Influitive's how far along now? Seven years? So yeah, just about eight years. So eight years. Um, we've got about three hundred customers, or about thirteen million in sales. Um, so uh, doing okay, doing okay. Um, the category is taking a little longer to build than we thought. Is that surprising to you? Yes. Like, um, the the demand gen automation and marketing automation category came faster. Yeah. Uh, and it's surprising, especially because there was like a big recession in the middle of that. But yeah. that actually might be one of the contributing reasons why. Well, because people cared more about lead quality after the recession. I think right? that's it. Because we, everybody had to get efficient in their marketing budgets. I think that's it. So uh, between 2001 and 2004, marketing budgets went to zero. Right. I mean, literally zero. Oh, yeah. It was so, a bad time to be in marketing. Uh, that was tough. But we still managed to stay alive. And the way, the way we stayed alive is we actually sold into the sales budget. Um, and so uh, sales leaders were not interested in more leads. They were interested in more highly qualified leads. Right. And they were interested in having their sales reps be a lot more efficient. They were interested in sales productivity. And so we actually sold a marketing solution into a sales budget, which is quite a trick, I can tell you. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, so it could be that the recession is one of the reasons why that market developed a lot faster than today. So you're rooting for a recession now? I don't know. It's a guess. It's a hypothesis. <laughs> I mean, there's also a, um, there were a lot less marketing software companies then. I mean, really, 2003, 2004, where the category first started to really appear in marketing automation. I mean, there were like what I don't know, 25 marketing yeah, software nothing, companies nothing, in the world. There's yeah. very, very few today. There's 6,000 something. 7,000. So yeah, it's a much more crowded. Yeah. Uh, crowded space and it's harder to carve out something that uh, is is unique and I do think we have something uh, we do stand out quite a bit I mean one of the things I learned from my experience at, at uh, Eloqua is it's useful to bridge departments so one of the things I think that made Eloqua really interesting was that it was this bridge between marketing and sales there are so many times where we'd have a meeting with a customer and he said, do you know this is the first time in three years where me and my head of sales have got together in a room? We had heard that several times. Hmm. So we hear that same thing now with customer success and marketing. We bridge customer success and marketing. And I think some of the most interesting categories are in the seam in the market. Like I think Intercom, for example, is in this seam so between true. product and marketing. Right? So um, bringing together two different departments with one technology, you know, not, it's not really technology, it's really one business process that goes across two departments is a really awesome way to build a good category. How do you think that's going to change like the bigger market? Like talk a little bit about this thing that we've been talking about earlier, you know, this customer powered enterprise, like, I don't know, like, how do you think that's going to change the markets around you or like, does it change marketing automation? Does it change? It could be funny if you went and changed your old category. I think. Yeah. No. I, I, well, I think it, I think it does actually. I mean, that's part of our goal with customer powered is um, we think there's some older categories that will transform, um, and so I think marketing automation, which today is kind of like um, uh, um, spamming people with uh, automated programs or bringing people to websites, like, there's no way that's the future of marketing. No way. Right. Um, so we see the future of, of marketing automation is more introducing prospects to the right customers and the right material that customers create because that's way more persuasive than spamming people with email um, as one example. So I think marketing automation is going to transform. I think that event marketing is going to transform, right, where, um, you know, I, I think the future of creating events is about asking your customers, what do you want to hear at our conference? What are the topics? Who are the speakers? Um, and so I think much more of, of the things that we do in marketing and beyond are going to be co-created. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think great categories transform older categories. Yeah, I think that's true too. Do you think, what's the biggest threat when you're doing a category creation thing? Like when you were... Your sanity. <laughs> Keeping that, man. It's hard. It takes a long time. <laughs> but like, do you ever worry about, you, you know, like, like you're, like, I feel like what you're doing is very disruptive to marketing automation. And I was very surprised in the early days of Influitive that the marketing automation guys didn't try to take you out somehow. Oh, they actually all became my customer. I know. Uh, that, that was the most partners. miraculous thing to me. I just kept thinking, man, these people are stupid. What do they think they're doing? But yeah. did you ever worry about that? Do you have a big, is there a threat right now that keeps you up other than sanity <laughs> founder stuff? <laughs> um, no, you know, I really don't worry very much about competition. Honestly, I think if you're really focused about what your customers and your users want to accomplish, then I think that I think that you do fine. I mean, one of the things I love about category creation is that if you do well, you build something massive and, and really wonderful. And if you do poorly, you can still build something that has high market share and potentially profitable. It might not grow a lot, right? So maybe there's a risk that 
Your my categories might be dumb, bummed out. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and I think that's it, right? And that's a problem with raising too much, right? So it's the true. problem with raising too much money is the expectations are this category is going to grow huge. And of course, it's going to grow on time. And that's the biggest problem, right? Is that it's hard. There's so many things that are going on. There's so many forces at play that it is hard to predict about the size of a category is going to grow. The problem when you raise VC money is they need this stuff to go on time, yeah. right? So if, you know, if they expect you to be 40 million ARR and you're 20 million ARR, then they're not happy campers. And then sometimes you can get shot as a CEO. That has happened. It's not fun. Um, you know, to me, so that's probably the, the, the biggest risk. And if I had to do it over again at Influitive, I definitely would have raised less money. So I raised about 40 million. It's too much, about 20 million too much. Right? If I raise 20 million and I'm doing like 13 ARR and going to 20 million ARR next year, like that's good. Like it's about getting to a one-to-one ratio. Raising 40 million and having 13 million ARR doesn't compute as well and you have unhappy investors. And sometimes unhappy investors, like they do stupid things. Um, when they're like in a fire bad, a good founder. They fire a good founder, CEO, and that's, and that's, not, that's not great. You're bad for your company because you should be running your company, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're out of time. We're out of time. But thanks so much. Do, do you have time for questions? Like, what's the deal? There's that. That's it. Uh, no, they're giving me the hook. All right. That's Mark's it. around, so you can ask him. I'm around. Questions. Please ask me questions. I love talking to founders and helping out with categories. Okay. Here's, thank thank you. you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the SaaS Revolution Show and you've picked up valuable lessons from April Dunford and Mark Organ. Thanks for listening. See you next time.